podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. State of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted to welcome back JP Mason. It's PJ and JP on a Thursday. Sometimes confuses me with that one. Um, how often do you get called Paul, John or PJ? Oh, it's, I'm it's constantly John. I'm constantly getting John, Paul and, and John. I'm alright with it, it's fine. Well, you'll never guess who I got John, Paul from this morning. Uh, you know that cameo service where you get videos sent to you for your birthday? Yes. Like by... <laughs> is it? Come on. Was it Jason Donovan? No, it was uh, Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. <laughs> no way. Aye, aye, yeah. <laughs> it was quite something, I have to say. Uh, you know, a, a good few minutes of him uh, slagging my name, even though he doesn't know what he's slagging it about. Like, he doesn't have... Wow. It, it wasn't filled in on the, uh, <laughs> on the, the absolute um, contradiction that is my first name and surname, but... Uh, Aye, no, it was it was an amusing thing to wake up to this morning at like half past eight or something like that. I was just like, what's this? Like, That's next brilliant. Thing, next thing, Biff Tannen is uh, giving it. Instead of like McFly, he's like, Mason, hello. <laughs> no <laughs> danger, man. All right, I know, I know, 100% that's it, yeah. Um, that is superb, JP. Mm-hmm. Listen, we're not allowed to talk about anything except for Celtic on these shows, but we might, you know what, we might venture into other things, but today it's a big one because it's uh, it's game day, match day. I was watching like most Celtic fans, all the, pre, the pre-match stuff. Um, Celtic are doing a new thing actually where fan media are being invited in pre-match and post-match uh, to speak to Ange Postacoglu. I think it's a brilliant initiative. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching the the, the pre-match uh, that I think was recorded yesterday with Ange, and I've got to say some of the questions that were being fielded by the uh, fan media were outstanding, particularly when you consider what the first question was. And I'm going to bring this up. And uh, the first question, the opening question uh, from one of the hacks was asking Ange about ticket allocations for the cup final. And uh, Angie's reaction to that was absolutely priceless, right? Um, and I was looking at that and I was thinking how other managers have dealt with the press fairly recently. Um, and I remember quite recently, obviously, uh, Gerard with Emma Dodds 
which has now become a meme regarding um, him looking happy. But a wee while before that, when Derek McInnes was the manager of Aberdeen, he shot, I think it was Ailey Barber down in flames and said that she was asking silly questions as well. Oh, yeah. And Coglu's told him, you're asking her silly questions, but he's done it in such a nice way um, that he, he even invited a second question from the person. How impressed have you been with the way that Ange is dealing uh, and has dealt with the Scottish press, JP? I mean, he's just... It's absolutely brilliant to see. And, and do you know the way he responded to that question about the tickets was just like... It's, it was so obvious. So It's such an obvious response, but something that, you know, nobody... It just seems like no one's ever done that before. Maybe I'm being ignorant, but I, I don't recall anybody, you know, batting that back as successfully and as, you know... He just did it with such, you know, ease. And you're, you're, you're sitting there going, he's totally right. Why why should he be asking, answering questions about the cup final that's next month when he's there and a presser for a game that's the next day in Europe in a completely different competition? You know, it, it makes so much sense for him to, to, to come back with that kind of response. So, I, I yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's box office, isn't he? I mean, he's box office for us, maybe not for, for others, but... Um, it's interesting to see probably how other supporters of other clubs who were probably on that, um, you know, uh, train of thinking that thinking, you know, oh, he's going to be a disaster, he's going to be a failure. You know, there was definitely a kind of um, groundswell of, of opinion that was like, you know, this guy's a dud and everything else. And, you know, maybe just poking fun at him a little bit as well and almost willing him to be a failure. And then they actually find out that he's a, nice guy and mm. can manage a football team and so it's it, I, I see I see comments from other supporters of other clubs they're kind of like you know this guy's actually alright isn't he so um, no, no wonder if we if we are thinking that then we're not kind of alone in that thinking so it's, it's kind of nice well the, the, there is a thing where um, as football fans JP there is um the community aspect of what appeals to a football fan. You can then have your individual associations with clubs, but there's certain things you see, be that a phenomenal um, passage you play, a phenomenal goal, a, a particularly cultured player, but also the, the humorous stuff that, tremendously enough, is shared uh, far and wide now with uh, social media. As a football fan, you appreciate that. But you also appreciate the cut of, of other managers' jib, jibs as well. And I think that Ange Postacoglu, when he came in, I've been asking myself over the last few weeks um, about my own kind of like take on Ange Postacoglu, uh, going right back. And, and we've got to mention this because it was on the back of the Eddie Howe um, debacle that obviously didn't end well at that time, or or we thought it didn't end well. And I think that there was the whole disappointment of that as well, JP, that maybe clouded some people's judgment, maybe clouded my judgment, because I was thinking I had bought in to this idea um, of Eddie Howe coming in. And I'd kind of bought into that. And I was thinking that, you know, in terms of uh, maybe the whole setup, I'm not, I don't mean style, but the setup uh, and the approach and, and implementing a culture. And for that to come up from the Premiership down south, I was looking towards that being more of a step towards the Brendan Rodgers uh, ambition that we had around about that time. And I wanted mm. us to get back to that after what happened under Neil Lennon. So there was a disappointment, and then I think that clouded my judgment and maybe some other people's judgment as well when we brought in Ange Postacoglu. And then everybody 
um, myself included, were then trying to find out as much as we could about this this manager. But, you know, bringing people onto the show from Australia and Japan who worked in the media in Japan and, and asking, um, who is this guy? What should we expect from him? But I must say the very first uh, media conference that, that we seen was the fan media presser where we were represented by Natasha and he came across so, so well. And I was I was still cautious, though. I was still saying, you know, let's look back at Ronnie Dyla and look at uh, his uh, opening gambits when he was uh, announced as the Celtic manager. I thought he talked a brilliant game. Still think he talks a brilliant game. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, Ronnie Dyla was successful and there was a legacy there with all the players that he brought into the side, particularly the, the young players. But over the months, um, looking at Ange Postacoglu in a more favourable light, uh, obviously the results help that as well but as we sit here just now going into this game tonight we're four points behind Rangers in the league we've got momentum after a, a really good run that we're still on uh, unbeaten run that I think extends back to the last time we played uh, Leverkusen and uh, we are in a situation where we're in a cup final so at the first time you're asking he's got us into a cup final and we're still in Europe regardless of what happens tonight beyond Christmas. But we're still in with a shout, JP, a progressing in the Europa League. And the kind of vibe I was getting from his press conference yesterday and Cameron Carter-Vickers is that we still believe we can get in. Carter-Vickers constantly spoke about belief that we can actually progress in this tournament. I think it's sensational that we're in this position, particularly when we look at the predicted 11, because I'm looking at this predicted 11 that I've written down here, and I'm thinking, wow, imagine showing... Um, anybody on the Axon panel, a team that had Ralston at right back, of course, Welsh at centre half and Beaton at centre midfield, yet going into tonight's game thinking, you know what, we might still get a result tonight. How sensational um, has Ange Postacoglu been since he came in? I mean, when you go back to thinking about when he first came in, I think, you know, we, I remember us speaking and being like, you know, to, you know, not to, to sort of dwell on our age, you know, and, God, I can attest to being a year older now than the last time I spoke to you. So um, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving into that, uh, that another decade um, or further into another decade, should I say, of following Celtic. But you and I have, have, have got the memories of John Barnes, you know, like I, I was a season ticket holder in the John Barnes season. So, you know, you're very wary of people that are coming in that aren't, you know, aren't tried and tested. And, you know, as much as Ange Postacoglu has been successful elsewhere, he's not been successful in our world, you know. Um, and I know football is a, a global game, obviously, but our world is kind of the the, the goldfish bowl of Scottish football or, or um, you know, UK football, if you want to call it that. And he hasn't, you know, up until this point, done anything in, in, in that world. So... That's why I think we were all apprehensive. But I don't think anybody really, I can't remember anybody really going, you know, two-footed on him and being like, nah, nah, I'm not I'm not behind this appointment and everything else. You know, I think we're kind of all a bit intrigued as to mm. how this is going to go. Because we, if you also remember, we said, we can't get this appointment wrong. That wh- Whatever's happening with this guy, it has to be the right move. It can't be wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. there's, there's too much at stake. There's too much, you know... Um, just absolute um, chaos from last season to tidy up. And he's, he's done and a combination of him and the recruitment. The recruitment's been good. For once, we've actually recruited well and we've not got, got guys in that, 
maybe people weren't 100 percent on or they were you know these these guys are maybe more likely to be first or second choices than third fourth or fifth choices down that list and I, I guess that's what will happen if you get your first or second choices and then they're going to they're going to play better and perform better and you know work better under his system he, he obviously said this, this is the type of players I want to, want to get you know get me them and we'll, we'll we'll talk about it when you've got them to the table type thing um it, it just seems a lot more joined up and I know that we're, we're not at the point where we have the kind of Eddie Howe model where there's like a team of people and there's this guy and there's that guy and all the rest of it that that's obviously where we wanted to go we can't do that straight away but I would imagine that we'll be sort of working towards that but thank god we've got somebody in charge of the first team right now that is getting performances out of the players and we go there tonight to Germany I mean I wish I wish I was there I've been to Germany a couple of times with Celtic well a few times Hamburg München Gladbach and Munich I think I've done the way trips for and they're always always great um well, I just didn't fancy sitting in the home end because I thought that's the guarantee it'll be a home end ticket I'll get. And, I, and I, sitting in a home end in a, a competitive European fixture, I've done that and the left away when we beat them 3 0 and not being able to celebrate, celebrate those goals was not fun. Um, but we go in there tonight, and because we've got the safety net of, of already being in the, this conference league, um, we, we can go out there and go at them tonight. And I know that may sound absolutely gung ho because they are very capable of doing to us, again, what they did to us at Celtic Park. But I have a feeling, just on what their, their coach said as well, that you know we're not going to be on the end of hiding tonight. I, I hope I hope we're not anyway. I think we'll maybe give, give a better account of ourselves than, than, than how we played at Celtic Park. And again, we go back to that, that analysis, the post-match analysis. Everybody was saying that's not a 4-0 game. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> You know, it wasn't a true reflection of the game and we arguably could have scored a couple of goals in that game, but it just didn't happen for us in the night. So looking forward to the game immensely tonight. And um, yeah, I'm optimistic. And who would have thought that we would have been optimistic going into the second last game in the Europa League campaign? Who would have thought we'd have even been there? You know, because I remember all the chat leading up to we've gone so many days towards the Champions League qualifiers and we still didn't have a manager. Yeah. And and you know the the note you were counting it down exactly behind me and we, we seem to be so so far behind and we're all going how are we going to make this up how are we going to get a team together and playing and everything else and then lo and behold here we are and we're in a cup final like you say I mean the first time of asking he's in a cup final and I said on Saturday after the game I know we didn't play that well but I said you know I'm pretty sure Rangers would take a one 0 right now and I'm pretty sure they still would. See the big thing for me, JP, picking up on some of the points you've made there. Um, I thought that that was yet another milestone, not the performance at the weekend, the fact that we got the win. We've mm. come up against Livingston twice this season, and we couldn't find a way. We couldn't craft the opening that we required. Mm. And uh, time and time again, I've said, you know, at that seventy-five minute mark, where are we going to get? And you almost you're looking at the game at that stage, thinking we're not going to get the win. And that's how I felt against Livingston at nothing each. Thought we might have got um, a wee uh, get-away jail card at the end with a penalty against Livingston. But against St. Johnston, I was looking at that situation thinking, well, this is a different challenge again because we've been here before. Can we find a way to break this side down and get get a goal? And we did. 
So I think it's a, a massive milestone. I really do in terms of the development of the Celtic side under Ange Postacoglu. And we'll talk about various elements of that as we move forward. I think what he's done really, really well, Ange, is you know, you're looking at a side there that not only was it depleted with quite a lot of the loan, let, let's not forget the loan ease moving out uh, and uh, you love them or loathe them, right? Like Salt and Big Duffy, El Yunusi and John Joe Kenny, who I didn't rate, but there, there's four first team players out the door. Three of your big players in Ayer and Christie and Eddie out the door. And, you know, Frimpong, who'll be playing for our opponents tonight, we lost him in January and never replaced him. So he was a big player for Celtic. So that, that's a huge amount, as well as Scott Brown, Neil Lennon, Peter Lowell. And then since then, another head of department at Don McKay. So dealing with all of that, that's massive, you know. And I know there were other players that left as well. And I think what he done really, really well, what he has done really well, and you look at the performances of the experienced campaigners. So James Forrest and Callum McGregor, they're your two homegrown guys that are getting to their late 20s, early 30s now, three and 400 games under the belt, you know, silverware upon silverware between the two of them. And what he's getting out of both those players is consistency. Um, both of them are a massive influence. I'm going to tell you right now, I'd be playing James Forrest for the start tonight, um, mm. just after his cameo at the weekend. So he's called upon the experience he already had at his disposal. He's then looked at, and this is maybe one of the biggest surprises for me, when you look at re-energising players and the success story of the season has obviously been Tony Ralston, but he's also done that to differing degrees with Beaton and Rogic. Again, both experienced players at Celtic. You know, uh, Beaton's now 30. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Project's 28. They're both, as of next year, got nine years under the belt as Celtic players. So he's got another two players to add to McGregor and Forrest. And then, of course, we've got the two experienced players that were brought in, in Joe Hart and James McCarthy. Now, we've not seen much of McCarthy, and I will... I will bring him up as we go through this podcast because I seem to be banging the McCarthy drum a wee bit. Um, but what he's got in those two players is the experience. So what what is McCarthy doing behind the scenes that we don't know about? How is he on the training park? How is he in the dressing room? How is he when he's maybe on the bench um, alongside guys like Montgomery and Urigidi, as he will be tonight? And I think that what he's done pretty quietly is he's managed to galvanise the whole side with that experience, JP. Um, and as I say tonight, for me, you've got to start with, with James Forrest. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going, I'll run through who, what I, I expect the, the starting line. I don't think there'll be any, I don't think he does throw any surprises in, particularly in, in big games. Uh, the biggest surprise perhaps was not starting Kyogo against Livy, for example, or maybe starting Kyogo out in the left. But he seems to learn pretty quickly from any mistakes or, or tiny errors that he makes. So I would expect Hart, Ralston, Juranovic, Carter Vickers and Welsh, who's fit after getting elbowed by Big Rooney, uh, Beaton and McGregor, with Forrest Turnbull and Yota 
and Kyogo through the middle. That's what I would expect to be the starting lineup. Um, what's your thoughts on that? And would you make any changes yourself, JP? I, I did. I did the question get asked yesterday about Tom Rogic. I think he's still. He's going to miss. He reckons that he'll be back for the Aberdeen game. Okay, so Sunday. I well, fair enough. Um, no, I think that's that. That that lineup seems to almost pick itself. But I think just you know what you're touching upon, like with the likes of Tom Rogic, near Beaton, um, Ralston. These guys have been part of the side, but they've not been. Tom Rogic hasn't been a a, a main player in a in a, a Celtic shirt. I can't remember the last time he played, you know, if he ever has played a chunk of games, you know, where he's, you know, played, you know, the majority of the 90 minutes week in, week out. So, yes, he has done great things and there have been great moments, but he hasn't been that guy that sort of can really, really, truly look himself in the mirror and say, I've earned this medal, you know? Like, I know that obviously you could argue and say, well, of course he earned the medal in the final when he scored the winning goal, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about a league title, you know, can he look at those league titles and go, you know, I've I've, I've contributed to, you know, 80, 90% of these games? Probably not, no. I mean, we know how much Tom Rogic has played or not played. Near beat on the same. Like, not, you know, and if Ange Postacoglu has got them fired up, to be that player and to be that person that can look back at the season and be like, well, I played in this game, in this game, in this game, in this game. And then you've got Tony Ralston as well, who's 100% not being part of part of things. But he's got him fired up as well. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about hunger on Sunday from uh, certain, certain quarters. These guys are hungry for success. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it in the past when... when uh, when another team wins the wins the league or wins a cup, it's kind of hard to take that, you know, and to see that happen. And, and that for for guys like Forrest and McGregor, they're like, well, we're used to winning this, and we want that back. And they're being surrounded by people who are hungry, so that'll be geeing them up as well. And and it's it's kind of obvious to see. And then you've got the new guys that have come in who've never won anything. I mean, what's James McCarthy won? I don't know if he's won anything in his in his career. Um, maybe obviously promotions potentially I don't know and then you've got Kyogo Furahashi I'm sure has won stuff in Japan but I mean to be part of this is I mean we we know what size of crowd he used to play in front to in front of in Japan and it was you know pales into uh, insignificance compared to Celtic Park for example and then you've got Jota as well obviously completely hungry and Abada as well all these guys are all desperate to to, to win silverware and we are desperate to win silverware back because we didn't win anything last season first time in however long I can't remember the last time we went trophyless in a season so um, and, and as it goes to show those trebles those quadruple trebles as we as we were shown on Sunday they're not easy to do and it, and it makes it all the more remarkable it, it really really does as time moves away from those those trebles that they're only going to, you know, magnify in uh, importance and, uh, I guess, reverence is another word. I think it's an interesting point you make there about a trophyless season, um, because last season James Forrest is out for massive parts of the season, yeah. and we don't win a trophy. The last mm-hmm. time that happened was in James Forrest's breakthrough season, and I say breakthrough, only made a couple of appearances, mm-hmm. and that was the season under Tony Mowbray 
2010. Yeah, yeah. Lenny comes in on an interim basis. He wins the Scottish Cup the following year and then mm. the first of the nine the year after that. Mm. So we've not we've not had that since, you know, Forrest wasn't a player. And I think that's huge to point that out because Forrest mm. is a winner. Mm. He's a winner at the top level at Celtic. I think what we need to try and get is maybe by designing a wee bit of fortune is that right mix of players who, ha- who are hungry to win as Celtic players, um, who are hungry, like you say, with McCarthy, although he did win the, let me check, double check here, he won the FA Cup with Wigan. Oh, right. And, uh, the Maloney yeah. side. Yeah. yeah, 2013. Yeah. Um, and the Scottish First Division with Hamilton Ackies. But these guys, it's like what Samara said, JP, at the end of your career, I think there are certain players who get to a stage where they're thinking, right, I want some success now. I've got the money. Mm-hmm. the fast cars and all that kind of stuff. Now I just want some medals to show for my career. Mm-hmm. I thought Samara spoke brilliantly about that, um, you know, near the end of his Celtic time. Uh, so you've got a good balance, whereas last season, I don't know how much I bought into it, but last season apparently we had guys who were sick of winning. I, I still can't get my head around that, but we've got the guys at Celtic like McGregor and Forrest who want to prove to the fans and hopefully Beaton and Logic and a few others who want to prove to the fans that, uh, you know, Last season was an anomaly and a one-off. And then you've got other other players coming in who want to win major honours um, at the club as well. You know, a player like Jota, and we'll talk about him as well, um, he's more or less at the beginning of his career. You know, and, and to get off to a kind of start at Celtic where he gets used to winning, and that's the culture, mm-hmm. then obviously that will assist him moving on to wherever his next de- destination will be. But one thing that interests me is, Looking at that start in 11, I'm pretty confident with that start in 11. As I said before, we've got Zhiranovic playing out of position. No Tony Ralston six months ago, no one would have picked him at right back. Stephen Welsh, if, if again, if you had said to anybody at the beginning of the season that would still be playing Welsh moving into December due to injuries, that would be a concern. And then beat on at midfield. But it's not a concern because Ange Postecoglou has built uh, a team. He's, he's now getting them playing in his style. He spoke about the fact that it wasn't quite there the last time round when we played Leverkusen. Mm. Um, but he caveated that by saying that, you know, Kyogo and, and McGregor were coming back in after spells out, which mm. some people tend to forget. I mean, Kyogo probably had two of the best chances of that night. A 100% sharp Kyogo might have scored at least one of them, JP. I forgot that they'd just been thrown in for that game. Yeah, that's a good point. They, they, came, out of, they came out of cold storage, didn't they? Mm. They just suddenly were playing and nobody really expected. Yeah, when the team was announced that night, no one really expected them to be in in the in the side because they were like, no, surely they they've not they've not got a chance in hell of playing, and then they ended up playing. That's right, aye. So at least they're, they're you know the the, the 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 wheels are turning for them at the moment, and they've been playing in a in a, a pretty successful side. Really, I mean, we've beaten Ferenc Varos home and away. <laughs> you know, we've just got through into a cup final. Um, just when you said mentioned something about Samaras and what players have said afterwards, I don't know if this is a recent quote or if it's something that's been flying about for a while, but James Forrest, I saw someone share it on Twitter. James Forrest apparently said, I've spoken to players who have left here and probably more than you would think who have regretted leaving Celtic. Mm, and, and, you know, he's obviously been there for so long so he's, you know, <laughs> there's a fair amount of players that James Forrest will have, uh, you know, become pals with or, you know, acquainted with. So 
you know, <laughs> I wonder who those people are. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure they're, they're probably players that we had time for and and uh, you know, fated while they were at the club. So um, it would be interesting. To it would be. That. I mean, I'm going to speculate. I I look at players like uh, Paddy Roberts, and you know, Dembele. I mean. Um, another one, perhaps Wanyama. I mean, the goal and the money is is such a pull for for players, and you know you can understand why it happens. And actually, we built it in some time ago in our model, so we expect it as Celtic fans that uh, Dembele and Van Dijk and all these players come along and they're using us as a as a platform. Um, so we accept it, but you know it doesn't always work out, and you've just got to look at Paddy Roberts. I remember watching John Gadetti. Um, and there was a spell when he came in. Remember, he scores against Inter Milan in the 3-3 game. And there was a spell where he scored a hat-trick against the Jags midweek in the Cup. And he was unplayable. And I know it was Patrick Thistle, but he was on a runny form at that stage where you thought he was just going to score every single game. Mm. But his attitude wasn't right. He's left Celtic. And he's never really achieved anything since then. I mean, off the top of your head, where is he? You know, it's not as though he's tearing it up somewhere and, you know, getting Swedish caps, which he should have been getting by this stage on a regular well, basis. I mean, it's kind of the same with Mr Dembele. I mean, I'm sure Mr Dembele is delighted at the fact that he's, you know, been playing for Lyon and Atletico Madrid, but he's not, you know, bothered the French national side, has he? I mean, arguably, we would have all thought that he would have. Um, is, is injury alone the reasons that he's not played every week? Or is it something else? You know, is it, you know, he's just not happy where he is? Or, I mean, I, I don't know. It's all, again, it's all speculation, but you do you do wonder about players that leave Celtic and then don't go on to just have like that consistent career where they're playing week in, week out and they have the adulation of the fans and everything else. So there's there's a lot of examples you could look, look at and, you know, draw your own conclusions from James Forrest's comments about that, you know, where you could be like, well, kind of, you know, the, the, it, they're kind of obvious uh, in some in some respects, um, but I mean, you know, you and I <laughs> would we leave Celtic? I don't I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd find it very very hard to, you know, and and I know it's it's all very well saying that you know because you know you're you're a fan and everything else, but you know I I, I would I don't know how I could get prized away from it. Just the actual to actually pull on that shirt in the dressing room. Uh, that moment alone, every time you get to play, would be phenomenal. So, yeah. I, I, we did a, a video fairly recently in the in the studio with Paul McQuaid, who's written the Johnny Doyle book, the long-awaited Johnny Doyle book. And I remember talking to him about that, the fact that you know, as we move into the modern uh, day, the modern age, players like Callum McGregor and James Forrest, who I hope and maybe even expect to be one club men. Mm-hmm. even though McGregor went for a short spell on loan elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, are few and far between. We're moving into an era where that isn't something that you're going to see too often. Uh, but I guess that the realisation for me, JP, was Tierney, because I never thought, you mm-hmm. know, I, I realised that it was going to get to that stage where he was going to be much sought after, very much like Paul McStay, where the interest would be from down south, as it was with a maestro and in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was German interest in Paul McStay as well, a couple of clubs over in Germany. But he stayed, and he stayed with the club. And I thought that Kieran Tierney might have just done that. Um, but I, I still look back on that, and it's not an excuse to give Brennan Rodgers a kick in. I felt that 
Tierney's whole outlook changed under Rodgers and I think that Rodgers might have moulded his way of thinking um, mm. in terms of if he wanted to absolutely fulfil his potential, he had to leave Scottish football, not necessarily Celtic, he had to leave Scottish football. Mm. And he's gone on and, and what he's doing at Arsenal has proved that he can play at a higher level. And we've spoken many, many times about where next for Kieran Tierney. If he was to move to another English club, the, the transfer fee would be off the scale. It would be astronomical. Um, mm. But the, I don't know. I, I'm going to say it. I don't think there's a club in English football that he wouldn't get a game for. I think he could play for any any club yeah. in England. He was, he, was he was a once in a generation player, really, isn't he? In that position. You know, like, I think everybody was kind of hoping that we would have another Kieran Tierney waiting in the wings. But, I mean, it doesn't, you and I know that it doesn't work like that. And I think you saw John McGinn's performance against Denmark. I think he's in the same mould and we, you know, missed a trick so badly by um, missing out on him. I mean, I don't know if we'd have kept hold of him for a long time, to be honest. I mean, maybe a couple of years max, but I think the the bright lights of the Premier League would, would have become too uh, appealing for him. And purely, again, because of his, of his, his talent. I mean, I think if, if he was playing... For Celtic in Europa League games or you know dare I say it Champions League games, you know his value would rocket and is you know it would it would become very sought after. I think um, playing for Celtic, you know the the big guns down south would 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 want him. Um, but Tierney, I, I I would imagine Tierney still has a lot of moments where he's wished he was still at Celtic. You know I know I know he's on eye water and money and all the rest of it and. People would probably there's a lot of people I know that would be like, oh come on, don't be stupid. Of course he's, of course he's going to be happy down there. But I mean, there's there's elements that of, of Celtic that you can't get away from. I mean, like the, the fans on Saturday at Hamden were unbelievable. You know, like it was a really really great atmosphere. I know it was the first time we were back at Hamden since we won the League Cup in 2019, December 2019. So there was that kind of excitement, but just the level of, of there was just uh, there was something about the atmosphere. As soon as we walked in, I just kind of had a really good feeling about the about the about the night, and then the the, the tributes from the Green Brigade to, to for Betty Old were just you know like ten out of ten. You know, there's not, I don't think they could have been done better, and uh, that went all round. You know, football and. In a, in, a, in a really good positive way and showcased Celtic fans as as being you know up there with with the best of them and and, and it's it was it was great to be a part of it even though I, I wasn't part of it I mean I, I didn't have anything to do with that I mean credit to the guys that did it you saw that video of them making yeah. it it was class you know just seeing how much work goes into it and mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, it's 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 incredible to see the detail that's that that that's uh, mapped out. You know, with the um, you know, the, the, every little bit has to be coloured the right way in order for the for the for the for the head to look exactly like the, the picture. And I, it's just uh, it's it's a far cry from uh, first year art at St Kent's in Blackburn. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you did, if you just showed that, if you just showed that to me in Mister Claybeck's class in nineteen ninety three or whenever, I, I think. Uh, I think my head would have just popped, you know. Well, there is that thing where I remember uh, probably on Twitter, it was probably Twitter, to be fair, with the with the, uh, the kind of crack that goes on on there, where, you know, you see these guys at games, be that a Newcastle put it, and it's basically a bed sheet with some, someone out, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Ashley out. Mm. And he says, imagine that guy at his kitchen table and his wee bairn coming up to him and saying, what are you doing, Daddy? Uh, you know, what are you doing with my bed sheet? But... On the flip side of that was the the absolute commitment and the professionalism that goes into these displays is astonishing. And I'm glad that that video was shared. I had said during the week, JP, and I don't know if I was uh, getting all sentimental about it, uh, Kevin Graham style, romanticist and all that kind of stuff, but I just felt that after that 67th minute, it breathed life into the the team. Do you buy into that? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, obviously, you know, it was it was palpable. It just it went up a few gears, and it really genuinely galvanised the people, the, the crowd to 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 sort of go for it in a way, you know. And I mean, how could you, as a player, not be inspired by that? You know, I, I don't care what anyone says. You know, when you've got first class supporters doing things like that, and you're getting the backing from them. How are you not going to find an extra couple of yards? You know, how are you not going to want to try a Rabona? How are you not going to, you know, take a risk? You know, and that's what football's all about is uh, is taking risks. Because if you if you know, we've seen so many times um, teams sit out their stall against us and they don't take any risks. They just you know stick to their game plan. We're going to defend, 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 sit in our own half. Whereas Celtic had to throw caution to the wind and uh, and. You know, we got we got our just rewards. I don't think anybody could deny it that we deserved to win that football match. You know, despite some people moaning about a supposed handball from Jota. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like in the lead up to the goal, I don't know if that, that. You know, we did we didn't deserve to score the goal because it was a a coming together of the two players, and it kind of it wasn't a it wasn't like a he handballed it into his path or anything like that. It was, and um, that not for me anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would definitely go along with that line of thinking that that the um, that the fans played a part, no doubt, mm, without a doubt. Uh, thanks everybody for getting involved in the comment section. Our very own Kevin Graham is in there uh, chatting to people who are watching Axholm on various platforms. I'm going to bring some of the comments up. Boulder Highland Paddy, hail hail from a cold and windy Cork. Well, hopefully you enjoy the game tonight. Uh, in some comfort, Paddy Alavery comes in to say, PJD, is it your brief to talk about the ticket allocation for the cup final, mate? Um, that was just priceless. Uh, just a look on his face. And then later on, he gets asked about the Christmas advert. And, you know, he was kind of sitting there thinking to himself, what, what's going on? 
Uh, we're, we're in a big European game here. Um, come on the hoops, David Bradley says, and Scott Howe, uh, welcome back in. Hail, hail, everybody buzzing for the game tonight. Going for a 2-2 draw or a 3-2 in for the hoops. Uh, either or would do me. Oh, Absolutely. And KS Caretakers afternoon, boys and girls. I'm going to finish off this wee section by bringing up Bruce FM, even though I expect us to lose. I'm still excited to watch us again this evening. I think that says a lot about the job Angie's doing. Um, this takes me into Angie's, I think it's a really good point, because it takes me into Angie's press conference yesterday where he was talking about Bayer Leverkusen um, as being a Champions League quality side. Um, and he appreciated that any mistakes that we make will be punished tonight. Um, his words were that we were going to go out and take the game to them. Bold, bold as you like. Um, but that when you do that, it could end up being a painful experience. So he takes it on board that you might be on the end of a 4-0, as we have been previously. Um, does that kind of level of confidence, like what, what Bruce is saying, excite you or does it concern you? I think in this scenario that we're in, it doesn't it doesn't feel... Because we're in a strong position-ish in the league, you know, with four points behind the league leaders and, uh, you know, we're in a cup final. I think the the optics would be different if we were further behind in the league and we'd been knocked out of the, the cup on Saturday. I think you would probably be thinking, you know, let's, let's, let's not get embarrassed here or anything like that. But I think there's just a... There's a, a, a genuine enthusiasm for the way that the team's playing. And you kind of think to yourself, well... If the team can play like that, then why not encourage them to play like that? You know, I mean, we 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 went over to Spain and uh, you know did pretty well. Obviously, we ended up losing. I know that we didn't lose to a bad side. We lost to you know a Spanish like like top six side. You know, that, that's there's no um, shame in that. Um, but we gave a good account of ourselves, so we've got the ability to do damage to teams. It's just about keeping the back door closed, and we've got better at that in the last, you know, month or month and a half, uh, as the clean sheets have attested to. I mean, we still have a <laughs> we still have a, a penchant for giving heart in, heart in the mouth moments, like in the last minute on Saturday with uh, I don't know what Joe Hart was doing. I don't know what it was. Somebody play a really bad pass back. McCarthy. It was McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. McCarthy's back behind that, yeah. I mean, we don't need any of that tonight for sure because, you know, we're away in Germany and you can't have moments like that. And you don't, you don't, you don't want them to sniff blood. What I'm trying to say is you, you, they, can't, they can't have that opportunity to sniff blood because it just sends shockwaves throughout the whole side. So just keep that to a minimum and, and, and see how the, the boys up top do because, again, we know, we know from the composure of uh, Kyogo Furahashi's uh, finish against Ferenc Varos, you know, to take that to take that touch and then beat the man and then finish so coolly, you know, he, he can do that. You know, he's got he's got real ice in his veins in, in that in, in those moments. And those are the moments that different that, that separate a normal player from a you know a, a phenomenal player. And I think he's a phenomenal player. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We're 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 seeing a player in him that is up there with, you know, the, the, some of the best players that we've seen in the last, well, certainly in the last 20, 30 years that I've been watching Celtic anyway. He sticks out like a sore thumb, you know, he's just 
he's he's got he's got <laughs> and and again he's got the the work rate as well. It's not just the, the skill. You know, you saw the pressing from him that led to Xander Clark sclaffing that that shot that led to the goal. Mm. From him, he's just he's just eager to to run around and press the life out of out of defenders and, and the goalkeeper of the opposition, and it's it's great to see. It is, you know, every time we come across another clutch of special players, and I think we do have that at the moment in the likes of Kyogo and Jota and Abada. I mean, yes, he's not been as consistent as the other two, but we'll we'll put that down to his age, I reckon. Um his inconsistencies. I think he'll he'll get stronger, particularly now that Forrest is back as well and they're both pushing for that starting jersey. Yeah. Every so often though, when that happens, JP, where you get the the kind of stars of the show, I always think about this policy that we've had. You know, we've mentioned a few of the players that have come and gone. They've used us as a platform. There's a kind of three-year turnaround. Edward probably stayed a wee bit longer than we would have expected. But because of the circumstances, you know, that that's probably put paid to that. And we probably got less money for him as a result of it as well. You know, the pandemic and everything else. Oh, yeah. You know, but you're looking at Kyogo. It wasn't that long ago that I'm going to go back. I'm jumping back a wee bit. Celtic tried to bring in Henrik Larsson at the same time that they were trying to keep George Cadet at the club. Mm-hmm. So there was a moment in history where Cadet had agreed to stay with Celtic and we had already secured the signing of Larsson. But that, that match made in heaven never happened, you know. And th- there's always these moments through Celtic history that I look and I think, Imagine we had kept him and he had married up with him. Imagine McStay playing with that player. Because the timeline's right. You know, you can't imagine a player that played in the 60s to play with McStay, etc. And I just think if we look over the last 10 years, uh, the likes of Kyogo, imagine Kyogo in a team with Eddie, full, you know, firing on all cylinders, Eddie, with Yota, with Dembele, with Banyama, with Van Dijk, with, for me, Denaya was one of the best centre-halves we've had in recent times, fostering goals and Tierney at left back then you start thinking to yourself if we had a different model and the model wasn't a three year turnaround it was maybe a five year turnaround or seven and these players all played together at Celtic Park mm. then you're not talking about the Conference League then you're talking about a Champions League team and I don't mean we're going to win it but you're talking about a team that, that can progress um, mm. so it's not about failing to identify the players we've done that that part of it maybe with the exception of last season mm. but we've ex- we've actually excelled at that we've, we've found the players but the model doesn't allow us to actually nurture them within the same team and that I think is a big frustration I mean you think of the team we could have had based on players who are still playing right now mm-hmm. who are not past it uh, over the last 10 years and that is a, a team that could progress in Europe Oh yeah 100% it's, I was talking about this with uh, somebody recently about the Hibs team that got that got broken apart. You know that Hibs team of you know Brown. Um, uh, who, who else was it? You had um, Gary O'Connor, uh, Kevin Thompson. You know, yep. if all of them had sort of stayed together and not been, I know that obviously the money that they got for those players has done Hibs uh, well in their uh, finances and their development and their academy and everything else, but. You know, if that team had managed to stay together, arguably could have, you know, had a real shot at the at the title and might have interrupted the, the sort of monopoly, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, when you think about the players that could have and maybe some in some cases should have stayed at Celtic, then, I mean, it would, it's a frightening prospect. But 
I, when I think back to players, you know, like Van Dyke or whatever that have played for Celtic, I just, I just, I, it just brings a smile on my face to think, oh God, I saw him play for Celtic. You know, mm. a lot of games for Celtic. You know, season ticket holders. I saw him, you know, most weeks playing and excelling for Celtic and scoring ridiculous, you know, goals and and just you know cruising through games with a cigar because you just knew that he was far better than you know everybody else I mean that story of um, some guy running alongside him and uh, he said to the guy man, did he bother I'm, I'm too good like I mean that, <laughs> I, you're not going to get me <laughs> remember this the, the up at McDermott Park the one nothing game where they just Aye. you know it was almost as if right if you guys aren't going to do it I'll do it mm. and I just remember the thing that, that struck me with Van Dyke was the range of passing was unreal. I mean, he could play a 10-yard pass as good as he could play a 60-yard pass. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and it was effortless as well. And I know that, you know, to make it look effortless takes a lot of effort, but you would be spraying this the ball all over Celtic Park. And like yourself, JP, I've had the opportunity to be on that park, and it's a lot harder than it looks to spray yeah. a 60-yard pass, that's for sure. <laughs> You start running in your own half and then you realise you're only just past the halfway line and you've still got to make it up to the, the goals. I mean, I, uh, I appreciated my friend Michael Mulraney. Uh, you know, he said, I'll just hold it up and you and I'll, I'll weigh it off for you. You run from midfield. But, I mean, he'd, he'd done the first half. I only did the second half. So, I mean, it, it was absolutely knackering, you know, but great fun. So just again to reiterate, you only played one half, but you still scored a hat trick. Am I yes, right? Correct. <laughs> Astonishing. Um, Martin, we've been... Martin Lyle's got nothing on me. <laughs> and actually, that... a penalty as well. I scored two, two from open play and a penalty. So there you go. That's, That's incredible. It. I hope you get the video of that. Um, so we're talking about tonight's game, and I was looking at uh, some of the players who are out. So we've got Tommy Rogic out, Julien. Almost a year since he collided with that post now. Right. JP Starfelt still out. Jacques apparently still got an issue with his knee that they're going to be looking at. They're all out for tonight. Rogic will be back for the weekend and Starfelt won't be far behind him. But what concerned me a wee bit is when Rooney went into Welsh the other day there against St John, one of the down points of that game for me was the fact that uh, that didn't result in a red card. Again, another horrific decision. Uh, not as bad as the one in the B team against Clyde in the Glasgow Cup, it's got to be said. Did you see the sending off of Conor Hazard? I've not seen it, no. He's three yards at his box. Is and it? they've given, he's given a penalty. Three, I'm not kidding. He's three yards out of his box mm-hmm. and, he, and the referee gives Clyde a penalty. It's one of the worst, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. If anybody's not seen it yet, just check my Twitter page. It's quite high up on my Twitter th- feed because I retweeted it last night. It's it's a shocking decision. Yeah. Um Arguably, a, it's not even a sending off. But Hazard comes back in for some kind of action. Mm-hmm. There's all this talk around the goalkeeper scenario at the moment, and he and he's promptly sent off. Um, and obviously, we've speaking we've been speaking about the refereeing decisions. And I thought the the Rooney versus Welsh one was the sixth red card that hasn't actually been punished yet against Celtic players this season. And I'm going to keep counting them, JP. And we can maybe have a look at them later on, on a, mm. on a paranoid state of mind later on in this in this uh, season. But I was looking at the situation. Had Welsh not made it, then we're in serious trouble again. Mm. We're only one player, you know, in certain positions away from, right, Beaton, who's playing some of the best football he has in a Celtic jersey, Right, we're going to actually um, stop that progression by pulling you back into the central defence. And we all know he's not as good there. We all know mm. that. You know, we, going into tonight's game with Beaton at centre half, 
is a completely different proposition entirely. So I think what it brought home to me was the importance once again of this January transfer window, JP, and uh, mm. I think we're in a good position there. But my big concern is is the sheer number of players because Postecoglou has mentioned time and time again there are certain areas. Let's say there's three areas in his mind, but we lose a few players. Because we would expect Barkas to leave. You would expect maybe for us to find a club for a Yeti. Um, there's question marks over Ball and Golly, who's only featured twice this season. I put Sorrow in that category, but I don't know what, what Postacoglu thinks about him. But you'd maybe expect us to to shell out a few players as well. So they've got to also be replaced. So we're moving into a January transfer window where, as Colin Watt has pointed out, we might end up needing five or six players. Do you expect Celtic to go gung-ho in, in relation to that? I mean, I, I think Ange Postacog was made reference to the fact that we're better placed going into this transfer window than we were the last one because he was only, you know, in the door and it was all a bit chaotic. COVID was still, you know, prevalent. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's not still prevalent now. It is, but maybe not quite in the same way as it was, you know, six months ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think that They've they've done their their homework and they've got players uh, lined up. Time will tell. I mean, we've 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 experienced disappointment many times in the January transfer window in the last however many years. So um, maybe maybe this is the 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 January where we get a pleasant surprise and there's a similar picture to the famous was it Guppy Silla Hartson? Remember the mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Was there not a, a photo when Martin O'Neill signed the all three yeah. of them? It was just kind of we're all paraded at the same time. Mm-hmm. So maybe we might be um we might be um treated to that. Uh, and we'll, we'll wait and see who those 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 players are. But um on the Welsh thing, I, I noticed when he was down, he was absolutely raging. I don't know if that was um uh, relayed on the TV, um, but I was watching them because I was like, what's happened there? I missed I didn't see the incident live and see what happened I mean I just I thought he maybe landed awkwardly or something I didn't see what you can obviously see in the in the in the slow motion replay but he punched the ground and he was raging so I don't know if they did some sort of test on him and he failed it in order to continue because mm. there was a head knock or if or if there's a rule that you have to go off if it's a head knock you have to go off but I mean he he kind of looked all right as he was walking off but he, he, he'd obviously been told he couldn't continue because yeah you know, that's why we were punching the ground. So, um, yeah, it was a bad I, I one. I said that after the game, it might even have been concussion. 
Um, I mean, if you're out even for a second or two, JP, it's it's game over, you know. Aye. So, as you say, there would have been some test, and he's failed it, and he's gutted. And he's a player that, again, I like Welsh. I don't think he's a, he's our first choice um, centre half when, when everyone's fit, but he's certainly our first choice just now. I mean, uh, David Kelly comes and tell me, you know, calm down. It would have been Scales or Murray at centre half. Well, exactly, it would have been Scales or or Murray at centre half, perhaps. Uh, Bryn Warrior comes in. I mean, that time I told you, Paul, that Celtic created clear scoring chances versus Leverkusen and we were far from a 4 nothing doing, as was being suggested. Well, that's both Ange and the Leverkusen boss now backed it up. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't deny that we had numerous uh, clear goal-scoring chances on the night. My biggest frustration that night, I think, was the fact that, and again, this is probably on Leverkusen rather than us, but they played that system so, so well that when we get the ball at the back, and we were basically going from left to right, and we're going from left to right all night, uh, right across the defensive line, passing. Well, that's why the, the two centre halves probably uh, in that particular game, but certainly in, in various other games, touch the ball more than anybody else on the park because mm-hmm. it's small, short passes, left back, centre half, centre half, right back, and it continually went back to Joe Hart. And I think my biggest frustration that night watching that game was that Leverkusen sussed that right out and knew how to play that to the point where eventually what would happen is Joe Hart had no options. So he had the ball at his feet and the only option he had was to pass it back to one of his defenders. Everybody else was being cancelled out further up the park. And eventually what Leverkusen were doing was charging down the goalie, uh, which was giving him one option in the middle of the park. But to get there, there was a whole lot of bodies to get through. Um, So that was my biggest frustration. No denying we made some brilliant uh, chances. And I reckon that, that Kyogo that night, he might have just been a wee bit um, short in terms of his sharpness, understandably, because yeah. uh, on another night, he might have scored one or two. Mm. Um, it was never a penalty against Carter Vickers. That was really harsh that night. Um, David Turnbull on the first goal, that's just a poor mistake. He was mm. in two minds, you know, yeah. looked as though he's maybe hit the turf. Mm. Uh, another two was Ralston losing the ball in the kind of centre circle area. And, and it left the defence exposed. So, yeah, I absolutely get that. Um, I find it difficult, though, when you're getting beaten 4 nothing at home to come away and say it was tight, if you understand what I mean, JP. I find that difficult. I think it's going to be a different game tonight. I absolutely do. And the Leverkusen boss spoke pretty highly of, of Celtic and Ange Postecoglou's approach to that. Um, if we find ourselves in a situation, however, like we did against Betis, I think despite the fact that Ange talks about, you know, a system and he's going to continue to deploy that system, I think we've learned a far um, greater test and a far uh, far more over the last couple of months uh, than to throw away a couple of goals as we did that night. And uh, I think if we take the lead, you'll see a far more cautious display. I mean, um, there is this belief that no matter what, it's rip-roaring, it's free-scoring, it's never boring. But if we go to Germany tonight and we get the first goal, and by the way, we're good at that away from home. Um, do, you think we, aye, do you think we can afford to go for a second? I mean, surely you call Canny with that, to use an old expression. Uh, I mean, other managers might, but I mean, I think uh, <laughs> I think um, the instructions will be to to go for it, you know. Um, I, 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 I'm intrigued. It's a, a very intriguing uh, scenario to be in this position and you know playing a, a really really good side you know I mean I'm not sure where they are in the, in the Bundesliga now are they, are they, they must be still bothering top three top four 
spot I would imagine. I mean, I know I know they lost heavily at home to Bayern Munich. They not get tonked five 0 um, at home. <laughs> I mean, that's Andy Henkel. That... Andy Henkel was talking about their form earlier on this week as well, um, yeah. and the fact that you know I think they've won two of the last eight games yeah. uh, domestically. So they're not in a good run of form. We are, mm. and of course. Um, you know, in a game like this, sometimes the form goes out the window, but I just think it's all about momentum, JP, and the yeah. confidence that that brings and being low in confidence and trying, you know, it's like a, a light switch. You just can't flick it on and off. Well, you go back to Martin O'Neill um, days and, you know, we were playing so well in uh, in the league that those performances were just carried over into, didn't matter, the opposition, Liverpool, Blackburn, Celta Vigo, you know, Boa Vista, you know, we, we we were we were a good side and a good side going up against anyone was 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 confident of getting a result. So it's kind of a similar situation here whereby our form, like you say, our form's good. And yes, we are going up against a, a big gun of, of German football and arguably a Champions League side, but that could potentially bring out the best in, in, in these players. Um they certainly they certainly have done it and know, know they can do it. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like if you've done something once, you know that you can do it again. Um, and you know what's what's to, what's to stop them doing it tonight? And um, just just have to hope that there isn't any silly mistakes that that kind of crack the momentum early on. Because one wonders what it would have been like at Celtic Park if we had scored the first goal against them. I'm not saying we would have not we would have won the game or anything like that, but. You know, I don't think it would have been a four-one as a four-one reverse. I think it would have been a tighter game. Um, you know, I don't think we'd, we'd have gone one 0 up and then they'd have come back and scored four. You know, we might have got beat two-one or something like that. But I don't, I really don't think it would have been a four-nil. I think you lose that first goal at Celtic Park in that type of game, even although it was a one-off game and it wasn't a two-legged game. It still, it still sucks the life a bit out of the crowd and. You know, you're looking for something to 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 cling on to to get back in, and we never got that. We just conceded again, <laughs> and then you're 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 looking for a miracle after that. Um, I mean, that's against Bayer Leverkusen. I wouldn't ever say at half time if you were three one down, the game was over. Um, no, you know what I mean. Like as as was said at the weekend. I mean, that's crazy talk. Um, I, I, I don't know where that came from, and if, if that was one of our players saying that, I'd be, you know, pack your bags and get out. You know, that's it would have been a, a topic of discussion throughout this week for sure. Oh, well, yeah, 100%, you know, yeah, 100%. You, you think about the, the talk of hunger last year, uh, losing the hunger. Mm. You know that that's the kind of thing that Neil Lennon was talking about after the Ferris Farrell's game. Ah, that, that it's exactly it's it's a, it's a complete replica. That moment that he said that was a chink in the armor. More than a chink in the armour, and what exactly um, what Lennon did last season and gave away inf- information that shouldn't have been given out um, that uh, that made us question every single player in that side. Yep. Who, who doesn't want to be there? Who's the guys that want to leave? And that's exactly the same as what's going on right now. Look, because I've I've seen it online, seen them all going, "Who are they talking about?" And then they're all. You know, there's doubts, there's question marks over all these players' heads now. I know, and, and then he, and then all of a sudden, this player doesn't look interested. Look how he reacted to that goal. He never celebrated know. that goal. He he must be wanting to leave. And, and you know what? The the big thing for me, and I, I remember speaking to David Lowe uh, about Fergus McCann and the takeover in the 1990s, and 
I always looked back on McCann and thought to myself that no matter what, it wouldn't affect him. No matter what happened, right? So he had this firm belief that this was his goal and he had this incredible plan that if he does the plan from A to Z, he will he will reach that goal. And he proved actually that he was right. He was 100% right. Mm-hmm. And I always looked at Fergus McCann as being this wee steely figure who could never be swayed from his state of mind, if you like, mm-hmm. no matter what happened, no matter if you boo him when he's unfurling a flag or, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. He would never, ever be swayed from this path that he was on. And that was the feeling I had about Fergus McCann throughout my Celtic support in life. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to David uh, about him and I did ask because it's always intrigued me, you know, having that steely determination, JP, and never be, no matter what the pressure is around about you, just not changing your 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 journey or your route, never ever showing any kind of weakness, really, because I didn't, I don't think McCann ever showed any weakness at, at his time at Celtic. And Thank David God says, hmm? "Thank God he didn't." He? I, I know, I know, and he took anybody on, anybody who was against the club, he took them on. Uh, and David Lowe said there was one time where they were sitting in what used to be Terry Cassidy's office at Celtic Park mm-hmm. and they were overlooking a queue of people who were queuing up not to buy season tickets but to buy shares in the club and he turned around and says to David you know it was that what if question <laughs> what if we don't pull this off kind of thing yeah. there was a moment of doubt in his mind but I think very quickly got back to that Fergus McCann that I've just described the steely determined wee guy that's never ever going to get swayed the minute somebody who you hold in such high esteem shows a weakness, and I'm not comparing Golson to Fergus McCann here, but if you look back to, to Rogers, I felt oh. that he had such a fixed focus on what Celtic were, the culture, what we were aiming for. We were all in it together, and it was it was the Holy Trinity. When he started giving interviews about Terminado and all that, that's when people start doubting what it is you're doing be that the fans be that the players and it actually starts working its way through it's a psychological thing in many many ways JP because you always just felt Brendan's got this we can trust him he's got this you know whatever the decision is he makes it's going to be the right one it's going to work out okay but the minute you see that weakness maybe except Paris Saint-Germain away he definitely didn't have that (laughs) We went a goal up though, did we not? No, we did. I, uh, to be fair, uh, but, uh, no, but seeing Fergus McCann get booed when he mm. unfurled the flag, um, I remember being absolutely livid at the people round about. I was screaming at folk round about me, going, "What are you doing? This guy, you can't boo this guy. Like, what are you? Like, I know it wasn't the whole stadium, but it was. There was a significant amount of people booed that day, and I would hope that the people that did, you know, maybe." You know, look back in it and think. You know what? What was I? What was I thinking? You know, I, I they just, must do. Yeah, they must do. Yeah. Yeah. I was an eighteen-year-old boy. You know, like when I and yet I knew that this was a wrong thing. This that, that this was that something was not right with this. Uh, you know, this moment in time it should have been a you know rapturous applause. He's unfurling the league flag for the first time in in nine years, <laughs> and and it's stopped them breaking the record you know it's that 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 was there was there should have been no negativity that day but you know the, but again the minute you see it, I mean, never saw it with Fergus. We never, we certainly never seen it publicly. That any kind of self doubt. The minute you start seeing that self doubt, that there's what? there's pro- problems in the camp, um, it can escalate. And I think that our challengers, 
this season is going to be between Celtic and Rangers. We've seen a very good start to the season by Hibs, Dundee United and Hearts. I said earlier on in the campaign that you know what happens is it all comes down to depth of squad. JP, mm-hmm. it comes down to having been through um, a league-winning campaign previously because that, that speaks volumes, that kind of experience. And it will come down to Celtic and Rangers. So you really can't blink um, in any way, shape or form. And I think that we've seen a wee bit of that over the last week um, I know you don't like predicting tonight what I'm going to ask you then because my prediction every time we go into a European game away is that Celtic will score first and that's my prediction for this evening have you any predictions yourself JP? Oh God <laughs> oh, I, 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 I dabbled with uh, you know putting lines on and then I, I, I never had any success you know I wasn't betting big or anything like that, but I never had any success so I just stopped so Asking me a, a score prediction, I've I, I got a funny feeling we might get a draw, a, a, a score draw of some sort, maybe 1 1, something like that. But it, it really just depends on it. It's, it's such a fascinating encounter, it really is. It, out of all of them, this this is the one that I wanted to go to as an, as an away trip purely for going to Germany because I love Germany and it's, it's an amazing place to go, and and you know. Especially this time of year when there's, there's a bit of a bit of a, a frost in the air, and it's just I have the atmosphere will be great tonight. Um, but also because of the encounter, I, I think it's a, it's going to be a, a, a great game of football. I think, and I, 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 I my head is uh, saying <laughs> my head is saying we're going to get absolutely battered, but my heart is saying a draw. I draw, I draw some description. So. I'm going to go two two. I know someone predicted that earlier on. I'm going to agree with that. There's a lot of comments coming in just before we go around Fergus McCann and the importance of McCann Celtic Football Club. Oh, yeah. And um, I've always said, you know, and there's been many, many other people who are so, so important to Celtic and so many figures who were important behind the scenes at Celtic as well. And um, But if I look at Brother Walfred being the guy who created Celtic and I know there was others involved uh, Jock Steen being the man who made Celtic what they are in terms of a European renowned and, and potentially global name mm-hmm. uh, McCann's the man who saved Celtic and has given us his legacy is what we've seen over the last 10 years, his legacy is 9 in a row his legacy is that stadium it's the quadruple treble yeah we've had a lot of good people in charge since then but Without Fergus, none of that would have been possible. Um, just going to remind everybody, we've got a charity weekender coming up on the 4th and 5th of December. We will be announcing very soon um, who will benefit from the fundraising. We've already announced quite a few other podcasts who are going to be collaborating with the Celtic State of Mind. Uh, on that particular weekend, there is also going to be um, a game against Dundee United at Tannadice that we'll be covering, as well as pre-recorded interviews, etc., that we have been uh, keeping in the archive. And we're going to have them fully produced for that weekend as well. We'll be raising cash for uh, those underprivileged at that particular time of year where they need it more than ever. They need our support more than ever. So looking forward to that. Um, If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to uh, A Celtic State of Mind on YouTube. We create content every single day. All that's left for me to say is thank you once again, JP Mason, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.